Ray Podcasting is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. Have you ever watched a movie and wondered why they cast that woman or that guy? Well, here's our chance to give it a try. We're repodcasting. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Repodcasting. I'm Lucia, and I'm still sick. I'm Janet, and we have a special guest. She's a return guest, actually, back by popular demand. Welcome, Marita. Thank you. I'm so happy to be back once again. Marita is related to us, <laughs> FYI. She is Lucia's sister and my cousin. And she's also the wife of yesterday's the yesterday's guest. Last well, month. last month's guest. We were two months this. ago. We were oh. two months ago. We recorded <laughs> this yesterday. Uh, she's Dan's wife as well, so she's one of our faves. Yeah. <laughs> um, and today we're going to be talking about the. I don't even know what word, what adjective to use. So I'm just going to say we're talking about Fifty Shades of Grey. Uh, let's call it the shister, ships, ships, mass, I was going to say masterpiece, shipstipiece. <laughs> <laughs> Fifty Shades. Okay, I'm going to do the synopsis today because Lucia is unwell. So here's the synopsis for Fifty Shades of Grey. When Anastasia Steele, a literature student, goes to interview billionaire Christian Grey, as a favor to her roommate, she encounters a beautiful, brilliant, and intimidating man. The innocent and naive Anna starts to realize she wants him. Not able to resist Anna's beauty and independent spirit, Christian Grey admits he wants her too, but on his own terms. Anna hesitates as she discovers the singular tastes of Grey. Despite the embellishments of success, his multi sorry, I can't even get through this without laughing. His <laughs> multinational businesses, his vast wealth, and his loving family, Gray is consumed by the need to control everything. That's amazing. <laughs> that synopsis is a user submitted synopsis on IMDb, so it was definitely submitted by a fan. So, I did not want to watch this movie. I was kind of annoyed when Janet picked it. And at first, because I've read the book, I read it for a book club, and it was terrible writing. I did not want to see the movie. Um, it's just a ridiculous story. I hate everything about it. I do. I'm just going to put it all out there. But I did watch the entire two and a half hour movie to do the recasting. So I also just want to make a note to our listeners. We're recording this. Uh, it's November, but this is actually going to be our Valentine's Day special episode. So uh, I saw this movie as well. I thought it was completely ridiculous. And because there seemed to be so much controversy surrounding the casting, and it was so talked about, it was such a big deal in Hollywood uh, that I thought it would be fun to recast, especially because, in my opinion, this movie is very poorly cast. These two leads, Dakota Johnson and uh, Jamie Dornan, in my opinion, they have no chemistry whatsoever. So I really wanted to recast this. This had been kind of on my radar for a while, Maria. 
Uh, I have not read the books, and this I only watched this movie for this repodcasting, which mm-hmm. I was invited to be a guest on. And uh, I made a note as I was watching the movie. Fifteen minutes into the movie, I wrote, "I'm angry at the hosts of repodcasting for making me watch this <laughs> shitty movie." <laughs> that was <laughs> <I'm> kind of <laughs> yeah. It's really bad. I think. The actors have no chemistry, and I think there's a lot of other bad things with this movie, like the script. And like I said, I didn't read the books, so I don't know what the writing was like there. But this script is terrible. If you can imagine, the book is, like, the writing is even worse in the books than the dialogue in the movie. Oh, thank you. Okay, so we're going to get into uh, budget and box office. So that being said, how shitty we think it is (laughs) and how poorly we think it was cast... The box office is going to be really surprising to you guys. So the budget for this movie was forty million U.S. and the box office was five hundred and seventy-one million U.S. Oh my! What are your What are your reactions to that? I'm speechless. I knew it was a hit. I did, but that is insane. I had read uh, when doing some research for the movie that the budget was forty million, but I hadn't read anything about the box office, and I'm shocked because who went to see this movie? It's it's not good. Like after the first weekend, didn't everybody say this movie sucks? Did people just go see it for the sex? Did people think, hey, I can watch a porn and get away with it because I'm going to the movie theater? <laughs> the books are huge. No one thinks sex. Huge hits. Like, like, the books have sold... I think E.L. James is worth a billion dollars, you were saying? A billion dollars? Probably between the movies and the books, most likely. Yeah, but that's... the books are ginormous hits, and they're awful. And every time... Like, so when I was reading it for my book club, I would, like, bring it with me if I was going somewhere. And people would stop me and say, Oh, you're reading that book? I love that book. What? I, I don't usually like reading, but I love that book. So it's for non-readers. Do you want no, I'm just in shock. <laughs> I'm sitting here like, what? Marina is perplexed. Uh, I just want to say, you know, I agree with you guys about this book. Like, I think it's ridiculous. I've never read it, but I've read parts of it and, like, put it down immediately because it's so ridiculous. But this franchise of books and the movies now has a huge, huge fan base. And even before they made the movies, like, the books had this built-in monster fan base. So that's why 571 million, while I was surprised, there was kind of a part of me that was like, yeah, because it's very popular. Something else that I read in my research was uh, there were several different uh, movie companies, production companies, that were trying to get the rights to the movies. And I, when I read that, I thought, what? But weren't the movies really, I mean, the books really bad, but here are all these people, I guess because you said they were such a huge hit with a lot of people, which I didn't even realize, um, there are a lot of companies fighting for the rights to make the movie. Yeah, yeah, she, yeah it's true. Like, there was, it was a bidding war for mm-hmm. the, the rights to the book, I remember reading about it, and she got a ton of money. Between the movies and the books, I read that it is almost a billion dollar franchise. I wonder how legitimate writers feel about E.L. James <laughs> because I'm angry that she yeah. has had this kind of success as a terrible writer. Mm. Wow. Okay. Well, um, shall we get into the casting? Mm. Okay. We'll let our esteemed guest go first. 
Um, okay, so who should I start with? Your pick. Your okay. pick. But we'll go in a circle. Okay, mm-hmm. so um, I guess let's start with uh, Christian Grey, the title character. Um, and can I just say, 50 shades of grey? Come on, he's got one shade. He's so <laughs> one-dimensional. I would have named this one shade of grey. But anyway, so instead of Jamie Dornan, he looks like he's reciting the lines that he's memorized while thinking, act confident, act confident. (laughs) And I wrote, he's not charming or mysterious. He comes across as scary, controlling, and manipulative. And why anybody would be attracted to him, I have no idea. Mm -hmm. Even somebody who's naive, like she's supposed to be like innocent and naive. So instead of Jamie Dornan, I chose... Uh, an actor called named Alex Landy, who you probably have never heard of, no. but he is on Grey's Anatomy this season, and he's gorgeous. He's like really, really like just good looking, but he's also he looks really like mysterious. He draws you in, mm-hmm. like as soon as he starts talking on mm-hmm. on Grey's Anatomy, and he's a good actor too. Like sometimes on. TV shows when someone's introduced, they're not a good actor at first, and you sure. know, they get better. But he's good, and every time he talks, I just want to know more about him. But you don't know a lot about him, and I feel like he pulls that off so well on Grey's that he would play this role really well. And I could see on a first meeting with him in a f- first interview why somebody would be attracted to him immediately from the way he plays the character on Grey's. Nice. Okay, I agree with you about Jamie Dornan. <laughs> he's attractive, absolutely. He's a good-looking guy. Well, I mean, well, that's her opinion. That's a personal yeah. opinion. Like, I think he's like a good-looking guy. Um, so anyway, he is he's like a robot. He's so wooden. Yeah. And you know what it watching Jamie Dornan like it almost looks like he's uncomfortable saying the lines and like doing the stuff that this character has to do. As an actor, he looks uncomfortable. So you have to wonder if he is uncomfortable with the material Mm -hmm. because, yeah. Um, So like I never really understood the casting there. Like everyone was like, oh, he's a Calvin Klein underwear model. Well, big deal. So if that's all you need is, like, a nice body and, like, a nice face, that doesn't really say much about the movie right away. It's like you need no acting skill Mm -hmm. in order to do this. So I chose an actor. uh, His name is Matthew Good. And you guys might not know. From the band. (laughs) The band. Matt Good. Yeah. I don't know that band. Oh, no. Matthew Good band. (laughs) Um, So Matthew Good is, uh, he's an English actor. He's done a few romantic comedies. Oh, sorry. He looks really familiar. Lucy just Googled his picture. Yeah. He's one of those actors that he's been in a lot of movies, but you might not necessarily know him by name. But when you see his face... So he was in, um, he did a a Woody Allen movie, Match Point, which is an older movie. That's from 2005. He was in The Imitation Game. Um, But where I saw him that I thought, oh, I could see him in this role. Um, He did a movie called Leap Year. It was a romantic comedy with Amy Adams. And there was something about the character that he plays in that movie. And I was just like... 
this guy could totally play Christian Grey. And I wonder if they even auditioned him for it. Because I could totally see him. Because Christian Grey, like, while he is, you know, he is, he's supposed to be this controlling sort of guy. He certainly doesn't come across as charming. In um, the movie. Yeah, I don't know about in the book, uh, if mm -hmm. he comes across as charming. But you get that sense that he's, like, got this coolness, this aloofness about him. And uh, I really felt that Matthew Good could channel that and play that. Like that sort of domineering kind of trait that I think is required for this character and that seems to be attractive to Anastasia. I felt that he definitely could go there. So he was my choice. Lucia? <coughs> Okay, um, for Christian Grey, I, it's not that I think Jamie Dornan is entirely unattractive, but I don't think he's so gorgeous the way that like people are talking about Christian Grey. So I actually googled smoldering actors, <laughs> um, and it didn't really come up with much. Okay. <laughs> but um, so I chose. I'm scared right now. <laughs> <laughs> I chose Scott Eastwood, who's Clint Eastwood's oh, son. Yeah. He's yeah. also a model, and he has done acting. Um, he's very, very attractive. But to be honest, like I just chose him because he's attractive, because I don't think I've seen him mm -hmm. act. I don't think I've seen any of his projects. But he, ha he looks smoldering, like he's incredibly good looking. Mm -hmm. And I saw, I did see him in an interview on Conan, and he was very charming. I think he's charming. Oh, do you know him? Yeah. Okay. I did, I did find him charming. Okay. Yeah. Oh, he's good looking. Yeah. I don't know what um, his acting is like. I also had, like, a second choice, a backup, because I don't know his acting. <laughs> um, I think Milo Ventimiglia from <gasps> This Is Us and Gilmore Girls. Um, he's very, like, dark and brooding. Um, I haven't seen This Is Us, so I don't know what okay. his character's like on that. But I saw him on Gilmore Girls, and he was very, like, mm -hmm. dark and oh. mysterious. And so, and he's, like, I, I don't personally find him that attractive, but I know a lot, a lot of women do. So mm -hmm. I think that he would be good. And he's a good actor. It's funny because I thought of Scott Eastwood at one point. But Scott Eastwood, I don't know, like, I've seen him in a couple of movies. He really, like, exudes that frat boy douchebag uh, vibe. Oh. So that was kind of the reason that I didn't go with him. But I think he could play this role. Like, I think it's in his wheelhouse, definitely. Mm -hmm. I think he could have done it. Okay. Um, and so then we can move on to Anastasia. Okay. Uh, so Anastasia was played by Dakota Johnson. And what I said about her, sorry, I should, okay, here we go. So Dakota Johnson looks like she's reciting the lines that she memorized while thinking, <laughs> act sweet and innocent, act sweet and innocent, because <laughs> I felt like she also was not doing a very good job. No. And so I chose instead, so I thought of, I was trying to find an actress who could portray someone who is very innocent and sweet at the start of the movie. Because, you know, she's a virgin and she has no experience with guys at all. But somebody who is also, once you get to know her a little bit better, strong and independent. Because Anastasia doesn't sign the contract right away and she makes him sleep in her bed and take her to dinner and stuff like that. Because she's, like, fighting him slightly on it the whole time. So I chose Anna Kendrick. 
because mm-hmm. I feel like when you first see her, she's like so sweet looking and she's just like, oh, Anna Kendrick, you know, you're so cute. But then you get to know her and you're like, oh, you're actually really tough. And uh, I thought she could play this role and pull it off. And I thought with who I cast for Christian mm-hmm. Grey, Alex Landy, I think they could play off each other well, where she could be like sweet while he's like really domineering, but then she like stands up for him, herself and he finds that attractive. I think they would work well together. Yeah, you know, Anna Kendrick, like that would be a departure for her in terms of what we're used to seeing her in. Also, sorry, I wanted to say um, I had a really hard time casting the female lead because I would not put any girl in this movie because. Yeah. It's just so, like, there's mm-hmm. so much female nudity in this movie, and there's no male nudity, mm-hmm. and I feel like it's so degrading, so I wouldn't want her to do this movie. <laughs> I just think she could play this character. Jamie Dornan had it in his contract that his penis would not appear in the movie, oh. and I think when people heard that, they, like, they were angry because they were worried that then the sex, like, the fans mm-hmm. were angry because then they were worried that they would cut a lot of the sex, and it would be very, like... Mm-hmm. Well, is there any actual sex? Like, not really. Oh, sorry. Yeah, because I noticed, like, the sex scenes are, like, her naked and him doing mm. stuff to her. Are either of them having any pleasure in this? I don't know. Like, <laughs> and who's this movie targeted to? Is it women? Is it men? Because I didn't get anything out of this movie. <laughs> women in their 30s to 50s were to see the, the big, for the books, were the big audience. So, like, I don't know. Bored puritanical housewives who want like a little, a little bit of danger and kink. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, oh, sorry. Were you finished, Marita? Yes, I was. Yes. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. So Anna Kendrick, like I said, that would be an interesting. I'm not saying she couldn't do it because I think she. I think Anna Kendrick has range. But it would be interesting to see her in a role like that. And I think it would be fun to see her do something different. Because mm-hmm. she picks a lot of the same roles. Or maybe she gets offered a lot of I the same roles. I think she gets cast. Because she does have that cute, fun, innocent look. And so she gets those roles. Yeah, I think she's been pigeonholed. Yeah. <laughs> I love her. I think she's a great actor. I love her. Yeah, mm-hmm. she's good. Okay, so I selected an actress. Oh, same thing. Like, you know, there's no chemistry. Obviously, this was why I, I chose this movie. Dakota Johnson, um, I will say this. I think of the two of them, she's better. I think she's better yeah. than Jamie Dornan. I agree with you on that. Like I said, Jamie Dornan just looks so uncomfortable. And like now that you, you said that, Lucia, about how he had that in his contract, that he wouldn't like do any full frontal that kind of affirms maybe the idea that he is uncomfortable uh with the whole project because he looks uncomfortable he looks uncomfortable throughout the whole movie and it's just so obvious so anyway but yeah definitely of the two I think Dakota Johnson I, I don't think Dakota Johnson is a bad actress but I also don't think that she uh, has good chemistry with him. Maybe if she had a different co-star, who knows? Maybe she'd she'd be better if she had like a different person to play off of. So I recast. Uh, her name is Bella Heathcote, and you guys probably don't know her by name. She is actually in the second Fifty oh. Shades movie, which oh. is yeah. She plays. 
Christian Grey's like ex-girlfriend and she's like all crazy or she's got some issues in the in the second movie. I think I've seen her in a, a couple of, of different films. The one that I saw her in recently was Professor Marsden and the Wonder Women. She plays, she's in like a polyamorous relationship. And so there is some like light S&M in the movie. And when I saw her in that, like it made me think that she actually could have been like in this movie and she would have been I think a really believable Anastasia she's got like that very sweet sort of innocent looking face she's very young looking and I think she could play like that innocence of the character but also she's like she's got some backbone I think she could play like you know the the stronger elements of the character and I would have liked to have seen the chemistry between her and Matthew Good. Mm -hmm. I think they would have not only looked really nice together on screen but I think they would have played off one another nicely so that's who I selected mm -hmm. for Anastasia. Okay and then uh, my Anastasia I chose Alexis Bledel from Gilmore Girls mm -hmm. Sister of the Traveling Pants. Handmaid's Tale. Oh, the daughter of Gilmore Yeah. Okay. When this book series was first optioned for movies, a lot of the fans wanted her to play Anastasia. Oh. Oh, yeah. There were people who cut fake trailers with yeah. her as, and I forget who the guy was. Um, but yeah, so like people wanted her. And she, to me, she does look the part and she does fit the part. I know Alexis Bledel would never have agreed to do that. I don't know if she was ever approached. I know she wouldn't do it, but she would have been a good Anastasia. Mm -hmm. And then also, I already know that she has amazing chemistry with Milo Ventimiglia because they right. did date and they were dating on the show oh. Gilmore Girls and they actually did have a lot of chemistry. Oh, my voice is a mess. That's okay. But would she have chemistry with Scott Eastwood? That's right, that was her choice. <laughs> yeah, I had to. Yeah, I'm sure she would. <laughs> you don't know until you put two people together. No, it's true, but you only mentioned the second guy that you chose and not the first guy you chose. Yeah. One thing you said that she would never have agreed to do this movie, and I thought it was interesting how many actors turned down the role. Were, they were approached, and they turned down the role for both um, Christian Grey's character and Anastasia's character. Uh, one of them being Ryan Gosling. He was approached to play... <laughs> Did you know that? No, but he doesn't want to do... I know, but he was approached. He doesn't want to do this shit. He yeah. didn't even want to do... He. They offered him Sexiest Man Alive, the People magazine. He turned it down. He, turned it down. he did not want that. That was... That's too mainstream for him. He's not into that garbage. And you know who did take it that year? So he didn't want it. So you know who the thirsty person was who took his sloppy seconds? It was Bradley Cooper. Uh, yeah. Bradley Cooper took it that year. So, yes, that's what I have to say about this whole Brian Gosling, Christian Grey business. Well, that's, I thought of you immediately when I saw Brian Gosling's name on the list of all the actors who uh, decided not to do it. And Charlie Hunnam, Hunnam? Mm -hmm. he was supposed to, he was slotted to play. He agreed, and um, then he backed out. And um, one of, I was talking to one of my friends, Sujin, shout out Sujin, about this movie and the casting, and she was saying that she thinks he agreed to it, 
and then realized how bad it was mm-hmm. and so backed out but didn't want to say that that's why he was backing out. So he said he had conflicting schedules yeah. or something, but actually just realized it's going to be so bad. And she, so Sujin is a big movie buff, so I got some of my uh, info from her. <laughs> but she also mentioned that the writer of the books, what's her name again? E.L. James. E.L. James. Um, she had a lot of say in the direction of this movie and she had a lot of control and would not let the director do what he wanted to do. And it was, she wasn't the director for the first one, a man. Mm-hmm. Oh, the first one was a woman. Mm-hmm. So then for the, she t- Sujin told me, so for the second and third movie, the author, Yale James got her husband to direct them. Mm-hmm. And so he did whatever she wanted him to do because it's her husband. Yeah, your friend is definitely correct about the first movie. There was a lot of controversy because once they started filming, it was the director of the first one, Fifty Shades, is Sam Taylor Wood. Oh, that's a woman. She's a female. Yeah. Okay. And so Sam Taylor Wood started directing and then there were a lot of rumors flying that Sam Taylor Wood and E.L. James really butted heads on this project. Because Sam Taylor Wood had a certain vision, um, and E.L. James was not down with it. And she was really... Apparently, E.L. James was very upset with the direction that Sam Taylor Wood wanted to take Mm -hmm. the movie in. She felt that it was straying too far Mm -hmm. from the, the essence of the books. And so there was a lot of conflict there. And it's funny, with Charlie Hunnam, or Hunnam, or however... Sorry, we just... Totally butchered your name, Charlie Hunnam. <laughs> if you're listening. Um, so he, because what I read, and there was a lot of rumors that, like, the project sort of took on this, like, shame almost that people were embarrassed. Actors didn't want to associate themselves with this because the script was so embarrassing. And that a lot of actors, like, ran from this. They were like, no way am I attaching my name to this project. It's an embarrassing project. So there was a lot of rumors that that was kind of what started to happen. And with Charlie Hunnam, that was what happened. He just finally decided he did not want to be associated with this Mm -hmm. mess. Mm -hmm. I mean, Lucio wants to say something. I was going to say that E.L. James also really didn't get along with the screenwriter. And the screenwriter, I'm going to find her name. Um, oh, yeah. I didn't write it down, but I've got that, too. Yeah. Kel- it was Kelly something, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, where is it? Let's Google it. Kelly Marcel. Um, so Kelly Marcel said that she couldn't watch the movie because it reminded her of how E.L. James changed her screenplay. Uh, she had included way more sex and wanted an NC-17 rating. But the studios didn't want that because they didn't want to alienate people from watching it. Like, what, who under 17 is watching this? It's crazy. What's the rating of this? R. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, she, E.L. James had a lot of control over everything. Yeah. And it's a real shame because I honestly believe that if they had let <clears throat> Kelly Marcel and Sam Taylor Wood take over... It might have actually been a halfway decent movie. Yeah, Sam Taylor Wood, um, you know, she's she's a strong female director. And I think she just wanted to put more of an artistic spin on it and not make it like this mainstream, like, mm. pile of gunk that... <laughs> 
<laughs> that the book is, right? And I think she just wanted to to class it up a bit, maybe, and make it a little bit more artsy. And E.L. James was not into that because that's really not who the audience is. Like that's mm-hmm. not who the the books are for, right? I mean, I'm not. I don't want to sound snobby and elitist because I feel like we almost are saying, you know, by saying it's too mainstream, like I feel like we're almost sounding snobby, but definitely it appeals to a certain demographic, a certain type of person, I think. Uh, I just wanted to comment on how bad the script was. (laughs) So there's one part where this is right at the start of the movie where she goes to interview him. So if you haven't seen the movie, they meet because... Anastasia's roommate is supposed to interview Christian Grey, and she's really, really sick and can't go, so she sends her roommate, Anna, or Anastasia, in her place. So during the interview, he asks her, what are your plans after graduating? And she says, I'm just focusing on finals. She doesn't, not focusing on plans. And then he says, then what? And then she proceeds to tell him what her plans are. So to me, I was just like, this is such pointless dialogue. Like, how can you write this down on paper, like as a dialogue for a movie, and not realize that it's like, he just asked her a question. She's like, I don't know. Then he asks her again, and she answers. It's like, that's just a waste of time. And I just felt like angry, like, you're wasting my time with this movie. It's just bad. Then there's a part where he's like, no, you can't love me. And it's just so ridiculous. Oh, I can't even <laughs> describe it. It's just bad, bad writing. Yeah, well, I mean, the source material is bad yeah, writing as well, right? I, like, full disclosure, I actually fell asleep through this. <laughs> That's how turned on I was. <laughs> uh, I couldn't get through the whole thing. Like, that whole business with the contract is so annoying. Oh, yeah, It's like... Either you're going to sign it or you're not. <laughs> yeah. What's there to think about? Like, yeah. it's so ridiculous. Talk so, about what the contract is. I think, I can't even remember what it was. You'll have to talk about it. <laughs> so he decides that um, he wants her to be his basically sex slave, I would, I would call it. And there's a contract that she has to sign. Um, that she, it's things like what she can eat that she is not allowed to drink any alcohol, what she can wear, um, what he can do to her. There's a safe word that she can have mm-hmm. and all these things. It's like this ridiculous. Basically, it's a contract so that she can't charge him with rape afterwards. <laughs> and also, it's super controlling. But one of the things is, like, it's in there that she can't have any alcohol. They mentioned this in the movie. But he's constantly giving her a glass of wine throughout the whole movie. He's always <laughs> handing her a glass of wine. And I'm like... Every time he does it, I'm like, but what about your stupid contract where she's not allowed to drink? Like, it's so ridiculous. And if she does anything that goes against the contract, I'm getting really loud. But um, there's punishments. So she will be punished if she does anything against the contract. Uh, Also, another thing that I wanted to say that was really dumb. At one point, he's telling her about how his mother's friend seduced him um, when he was, I I think he was 14. Do you remember? He was really young. And his mother's friend seduced him and then made him be her submissive for six years. Mm -hmm. So for six years, she controlled him sexually. And then when Honest refers to her as Mrs. Robinson, he laughs like, what? Mrs. Robinson? This older woman was seducing him and controlling him for six years. And he never once equated it to Mrs. Robinson. And like, that's the script. That's 
the problem with that isn't his acting. It's that was in the script. <laughs> or you don't want to say anything, Lucy, <laughs> about any of that. Yeah, like the it's I I've seen the second one oh. as well, and if you think the first one is bad, like that's the thing. At least Sam Taylor would. I mean, the first one is garbage, but. Like, in a sense, I appreciate what Sam Taylor would... Or, sorry, Sam Taylor Johnson. Oh, my God, I got her name wrong. Sorry, she, Sam Taylor She Johnson. used to be Sam Taylor. She used to be Sam Taylor. Oh. Um, I appreciate what she tried to do, mm. right? The second one is just... <laughs> it's off oh. the charts bananas. Wow. Like, it's even more ridiculous. Just wondering if in your research you found the box office amount for each individual movie. Because I wonder if it went down with each one. I heard that it went down, okay. yeah, with each uh, with each movie. The first one, I think, is the highest grossing one out of the three. Um, so, I don't know, do we want to say anything else about this beautiful gift of a movie? <laughs> oh, yeah. So, I don't know anything about BDSM. But I also remember hearing that... BDSM communities were angry about the books oh. because it didn't present it the way it really is in real life. And so they, this movie and the books present Grey as being into BDSM as like a pathology, as a deviant behavior mm -hmm. that he is cured of by the end of the series because he is marries he? her and they have a kid at oh. the end. And he stops doing all these things. Spoiler alert! So he stops like doing, all, like does he get rid of his whips and... Does he stop enjoying that? I could not tell you that. I oh, don't you don't know. know. Okay. I haven't read the books and I haven't seen the movies. But so, like, you know, it's kind of interesting um, about the Mrs. Robinson because that's not BDSM either. Like, you don't force someone into being a submissive in those kinds of relationships. Like, it requires emotional maturity and lots of communication, and the people have to enter it willingly, even the submissive and the dominant. And so it's just really insane that this woman who knows nothing about it, clearly, decided that that's what she's going to write about, and people took to it, and I don't know, I think it's really unfair. Well, I mean, this is, for anyone who doesn't know, like, this was Twilight fan fiction that <laughs> she started writing. That's, what? Really? Yes. This was Twilight fan fiction. Like, that's how E.L. James started writing these books. This started off as Twilight fan fiction. I think she had, like, a website or something. And people started reading this, and they were like, you should write a book, and... That's how it started. So, I mean, for anyone who is familiar with the Twilight series of books, like, the dynamic of the relationship is very similar, because Edward Cullen... I mean, I don't want to go too much into Twilight, but yes, listeners, I have read, I've read the Twilight. All. I've read them all, too. I've read the Twilight books. Um, but yet, the dynamic is the same. Edward Cullen is, like, very domineering, except he's a vampire. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, I just lost his name. What's the guy who played him? Robert Pattinson. Robert Pattinson was also asked to play yes. Christian mm -hmm. Grey. Yeah. There's no way he could have played. He could barely play Edward Cullen, <laughs> never mind Christian Grey. Um, yeah, I don't think he's... Since we're talking about uh, who was asked to play Christian, Alexander Skarsgård was also approached, as well as Adam Levine. Adam Levine? <laughs> That's amazing. They should have asked Blake Shelton. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
Um, who do you want to talk about? Anyone else who was oh. who was asked? Yeah, yeah. Actually, um, I didn't know this when I cast him, but Scott Eastwood was approached. Oh, and he said no. Yeah. Just one more note I have about this film, just in general, is that in the second half of the movie, her dresses are gorgeous. Do you think? <laughs> yeah. I, every dress she wore, I was like, that is so beautiful. But it was probably supposed to be that she was getting money from him. Or maybe he was even buying her. No, because even when they weren't even talking anymore, they her dresses are just gorgeous in the second half of the movie. And the first half, she's dressed all frumpy because mm-hmm. she's supposed to come across as someone who's like not powerful or whatever. In the books, he is buying her clothes. Did oh. they not say that in the movie? I don't remember. Maybe not. Okay. But yeah, that's that's why. Because now he's dressing her. Uh, so gross. Like, this is not this is not a dominant submissive relationship. This is emotional abuse. It's like it's really gross. And it's presented also the dangerous thing is that it's presented as like, well, you can change him. Yeah, that's what I thought was the most ridiculous thing, is that you know, he's supposed to be this, like, strong, confident, domineering, controlling, manipulative guy. And he's like, I will never sleep in the bed with you. And then it's like, ten minutes later, he's in bed with her. And then, I will never take you to dinner. And then he's like, come to dinner at my family's house and meet my whole family. It's like, come on. Are we supposed to believe that a guy like that would just suddenly change because a girl says, no, do it. <laughs> like, no. Uh, shout out to Canada. On this movie. Yeah. They filmed it in Vancouver. Oh. oh. <laughs> well, the whole series was filmed in Vancouver, so. Yeah, the, actually, I read that um, some residents were annoyed at the commotion that it was causing. So there was somebody who rang a cowbell outside their window to ruin all their takes until they moved the production down the street. That's hilarious. That is so funny. That's very <laughs> Canadian. <laughs> Passive aggressive. <laughs> also, I'll just mention quickly, the sex scenes in the movie constitute 14 minutes mm-hmm. like there's 14 minutes of sex in this two and a half hour sex. movie there's some sex not much but but that's my point it's like there's only 14 minutes in this movie that is apparently about sex like it's i don't know it's really like tame um and then also uh on ice in iceland uh, messages on facebook spread about the movie emphasizing the fact that violent relationships are sought after and support the idea of rape, and people were urged to donate the amount of the of a ticket to a local women's shelter instead, and many people did. That was in I- that was Iceland. Oh, yeah. that's so Iceland. Yeah, yeah. Iceland. Yeah, I think I, I feel like I heard that when the movie came out that people were donating money to women's shelters instead of going to see this movie. That's how bad this movie is, though. It's like I can't. I'm so shocked at how much money it made because that many people went to the theater mm-hmm. and paid to see this. I know. It's insane. And, or that's even people who probably saw it multiple times. That's a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah. And because that's only you at, or no, sorry, that's, I think that was worldwide. So I think we're going to go into our next segment. But before we do that, We just want to give a shout out to one of our faithful listeners, George. Uh, And if you'll notice, George, we took one of your suggestions and we executed it on uh, this episode. So hopefully you'll notice when you listen to this. Thanks, George. And thanks for listening and being so engaged. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. Thanks for your support. Speaking of support, 
Repodcasting is a proud member of the wonderfully supportive Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. The Alberta Podcast Network has a wide variety of podcasts for all your listening needs and wants. Podcasts about social issues, business and marketing, storytelling, and so much more. If you like storytelling podcasts, be sure to check out the Bothy Storytelling Podcast. Host Callum Lycan brings you storytelling in all its glorious forms. Listen for tales, interviews, business practices, or workshops all related to storytelling. Callum is a great storyteller, and I could listen to his Scottish brogue all day long. So listen to the Bothy's Storytelling Podcast, along with so many more, at albertapodcastnetwork.com. I'll quickly mention the ratings before we go into our last segment. On IMDb, this got a 46%, which I think is extremely generous. And on Rotten Tomatoes, it got a 25%. (laughs) That's a big difference. That's That's a big difference. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I agree more with the Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, me too. There are fans, I guess. Yeah. Okay, so now we will move along to our favorite segment, if I can call it that. (laughs) (laughs) Yay! Time for Hold Me Close, Young Tony Danza. The segment where we cast Tony Danza into a role in this movie, which is highly upsetting to me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, so I chose for Tony Danza to play Mr. Gray, Christian Gray's father. Perfect. So, Tony Danza, if you're listening, I selected you as Christian Gray. (laughs) That's how much confidence I have in you, Tony Danza. And also, like, let's make Christian Gray a total super silver fox. Because that's what Tony Danza is. I don't know. I just honestly, all the other all the other roles in the the film, I felt like they just weren't enough for Tony Danza. <laughs> That's fair. That's a good point. But I actually cast him as Taylor the bodyguard so that he wouldn't have to speak and wouldn't even have to deal with this crap as much. <laughs> so well, I still think he'd be a good Christian Grey, and I would play Anastasia. <laughs> <laughs> Meow, <laughs> Tony Denza. <laughs> Amazing. Okay. Um, so, unless, uh, does anybody have any more, like, facts or anything? Okay. So, that's it for us this week, or this month. And um, thanks so much, Marita, for joining us. It was a pleasure. I love doing this. Thank you. And uh, we haven't actually picked a movie for next month, but uh, I'll record a little something at the end, because we'll pick it before I release it. Stay tuned, listeners, and happy Valentine's Day. Thanks for listening. Bye. 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 Hey, Lucia here again, and my voice is back to normal, thank goodness. Before I tell you which movie we're doing next month, we do have a quick word from our sponsor, ATB. Want digital banking that works for you? Sign up for an ATB no-fee all-in account. By doing most of your banking digitally, you'll avoid paper fees, monthly fees, and get unlimited digital transactions. It's 24-7 banking at its finest. Lastly, I just want to let you know that next month we'll be finishing our series that Janet aptly named Give Us Your Oscar Perv with the movie that inspired the series in the first place. 
That's right, we're recasting Casey Affleck in Manchester by the Sea. It's available to stream on Amazon Prime or Hoopla if your local library offers that streaming service. And as always, you can find us on all the social media stuffs at Repodcasting, or you can email us at repodcasting at gmail.com. Thanks, and we'll see you next month.